What's happening, Hume SoCal? <laughs> nice to see you guys. My name's Darren, and uh, I'm glad to be with you guys. We've got a good week ahead of us. I am, uh, I'm from Fullerton, California. Anybody know where that is? Yeah, I think there's some, I think there's some La Habra folks, right? So people from there, so not too far. Kind of, uh, Fullerton is right by Disneyland, close to Anaheim, right in there. So uh, if you're not sure where that is, that's where I come from. I'm married. I've been married for 26 years. Uh, I got four kids. My oldest is 22. He lives in Montana. My second son lives in Arizona. He's going to college at Grand Canyon. I got a, son, a daughter who's 16, and she uh, will be a senior at Fullerton High, and a son who is a sophomore, and he'll also be at Fullerton High. He's 15. So none of them are with me. I'm here by myself. So we're going to be diving into God's Word together all week, but I want to say a couple things before we start. The first one is this. If you don't have a Bible, we want to get you one, right? So this whole theme this week, Truth Be Told, is all about the truth as God has revealed it and as God has revealed himself. And I don't want you to just take my word for it, right? So I want you to have the Bible. We're going to be trucking through the whole Gospel of John this week. So we're going to move really quick. But all that to say, if you don't have a Bible, we'll, we'll hook you up with one. Just let your counselor know, let your leader know, and we'll make sure you got one. Uh, but we want you to have it. And we're going to be in the Gospel of John, which is in the last third of the Bible. If you see Matthew, Mark, or Luke, you're almost there. If you get to Acts or Romans, you went a little too far. John's where you want to be. And then the last thing I was going to tell you uh, is this. I, like I said, I'm here by myself this week, and I'm not on vacation, right? I know you guys are at camp. You're here to, you know, have a good time, whatever. I'm here for you. So uh, during the day, like during free time, during meals, whatever, you'll see me hanging around. And whenever you see me, I'll be just like kind of hanging. I'll be reading a book or whatever. But I'm not, I'm not here this week to read. I came up to spend time with you. And so this week, if you got stuff you want to talk about, if you have questions about what I'm teaching or you have questions about other things, whether those are questions about God or just about life or about Christianity or about the world, whatever, I'm happy to talk to you about whatever you want. I'm kind of a video game guy. I'm an indie rock guy. I'm happy to talk music or video games, whatever you want to do. But if you see me, just come up and say, hey, I would love it if I could meet all of you this week, right? So all that to say, if you see me reading, I'm not trying to finish my book. I'm just killing time until I get to see you. So come and say hello, right? Now tonight, uh, we're diving into the Gospel of John, and we're going to be in John chapter 1, and we're looking at the, the truth of who God is, right? The truth of God as he's revealed himself. It's really interesting. Um, in John 18, which is towards the end of the Gospel of John, there's a really interesting sort of inter interaction between a guy named Pilate, who was a Roman official, and Jesus. In fact, Pilate is the one who will ultimately condemn Jesus to be crucified. And uh, there's this interaction where Pilate is sort of questioning Jesus in John 18. And, and this interaction sort of gives us our theme verse for the week. In the interaction, in John 18 37, Pilate said to Jesus, so you are a king, right? He's trying to get Jesus to admit that Jesus claims to be uh, like a leader, that he's claiming to be royalty, right? So he says to Jesus, so you, you claim you're a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? John 18, 38, Pilate looks at Jesus. Jesus has just said, hey, here's why I came to the world. I came into the world to bear witness or to proclaim or to reveal the truth. And everybody who follows me pays attention to the truth. And Pilate's response is so interesting because it's very similar to questions we hear in our world all the time. This whole opener tonight and the opening video is all about the idea that we live in a, in a world now where it's kind of hard to know what's true and what's not. 
Everybody's got different opinions. We just lived through the weirdest time in any of our lives, the whole COVID thing. And depending on what news program you're watching or what doctor you're listening to or what your neighbor says or what your pastor says or whatever, it's hard to know what's real and what's not. It's hard to know what's true and what isn't. And that's not just true about COVID. It's true with politics. It's true with injustice. It's true with racism. It's true with all these different things. It's hard because people are defining truth a hundred different ways, right? So all the way back in John 18, Jesus is talking to this guy, Pilate, and he says, I'm here to reveal the truth. And Pilate, even all the way in ancient times, this is 2,000 years ago, he goes, what's truth, right? You say you're the truth, but I don't even know what truth is. Our theme this week is all about trying to answer that question. What is truth? Because it's hard to establish. I remember uh, when my daughter Lily was like five years old, maybe like four I'm snuggled up with her on the couch, right, uh, just having a little daddy-daughter time, whatever, and she looks over at me, and she goes, she goes, Daddy, I love you, right? And I'm like, oh, sweetheart, I love you. And she goes, no, Daddy, I love you more than anything in the world. And I was like, Lily, girl, I love you more than anything in the world. And she goes, no, you don't get it. I love you all around the planet. And I was like, yeah, I love you all around the planet. And she goes, Daddy, will you marry me? And I'm like, uh, okay, it just got a little weird. Like, it was sweet for a minute, and then it got a little creepy, you know? So, so I looked at her, and I said, oh, sweetheart, I love you so much, but, like, um, daddies don't marry their daughters, at least not in this state, and so that's not, that's not like a thing we can, you know, it's not going to happen. I said, besides, daddy is already married to mommy, and mommy and daddy are in love with each other, and, and God only wants daddy and mommy to be married to each other, so... But here's the thing, sweetheart, like, someday you're going to meet a guy, and you're going to fall in love with him, and it's going to be awesome, and he's going to love you, and you're going to love him, and he's going to be a part of our family, and it'll be really beautiful. And I'm trying to explain to her, like, so she's not disappointed. And you guys, no kidding, like, her lip starts to quiver, and her eyes fill up with tears. She's got tears running down her face. She goes, you don't love me. And I was like, no, I do. I do love you, but we just, like, it's just, we can't. She's like, if you love me, you would marry me. And I'm like, I don't know. So you guys, I didn't know what I was going to do. So just to get out of the conversation, because she was little, right? I'm like, look, you're too young to be married. We'll talk about it when you're older. Like, you can't get married until you're 21. We'll talk about it then when you're 21. She goes, okay. She jumps down. She leaves, right? But I start thinking about it, and I think, well, I don't want it to come back to my wife secondhand, right? Like, I don't want her to tell my wife, like, oh, daddy says when I turn 21, we're going to get married. That'd be bad, right? So, <laughs> so I say to my I say to my wife, I'm like, hey, Lily and I had kind of a weird combo uh, this morning where she said she loved me, and I said I love her, and then she asked me to marry her, I didn't know what to do, and I told her, and it didn't work, and then I said, oh, we'll talk about it later, but I don't want to marry her, and my wife's like, don't worry about it, I'll talk to her. So the next day, my wife goes into my daughter's room, she's sitting on her floor playing with dolls or whatever, and uh, my wife sits down with her, and she goes, hey, can we talk about something for a minute? And Lily's like, sure. She goes, I know you and Daddy had a conversation about getting married. She goes, yeah, daddy says I get married when I'm older. He and I are going to get married. And uh, my wife goes, well, listen, you know, that, that can't happen because daddy's already married to mommy and there's only ever just going to be one, one person that we're going to be married to. But you know what? Someday you're going to meet somebody and you'll fall in love with them and they'll be a part of our family and we'll be a part of their family and it'll be very beautiful. And like, you don't need to worry about it right now, but just know that daddy can't marry you ever, you know? And she looks at my wife and she goes, oh, mom, she goes, don't worry. I was just trying to get dad to buy me a gold ring. Yeah, yeah. So just, just let that soak in, right? Just let it soak in for a second. This is like my four-year-old daughter with the quivering lip and the tears and all that junk. All of that is just her working me for jewelry, right? That's all that is. She's just like trying to manipulate me. 
How do I know what's true? How do I know what's true, right? And that's just one sort of stupid example of how hard it is to know what truth is. Truth in our relationships with other people, truth as we think about the world, truth as we think about all of the different things we're told and all the things that we see, it's hard to figure it out. It's interesting, though, because because the Bible reveals to us that God is the truth. That's kind of where I want to start with you guys tonight in John. John tells us himself in John chapter 20, verse 31, at the end of his book, he tells us why he wrote, uh, why he wrote this story, this gospel of Jesus, why he wrote it. He says this in John 20, uh, 31, he says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the gospel writer, he doesn't just write the story of Jesus inspired by the Holy Spirit, he actually tells us, here's why I'm writing He goes, I'm writing all this down because I want you to know who Jesus is, and I want you to believe in him so that you can have life, right? That's why John wrote the story. So when we go back to John chapter 1 at the very beginning, which is kind of where we got to get started, John tells us the story of Jesus coming, and he explains to us really quickly, just like in the first 18 verses, why it matters for us to know Jesus, why it matters for us to pay attention to him. So I just want to read this, and then we're going to walk back through it really quick. Let me read you. Just the first 18 verses. And as a kind of a little understanding here, he refers in this first verse to the word, right? In your Bibles, if you have it, you'll see that the word word is capitalized. That's because he's not talking uh, about the word like the Bible. He's talking about God's speech or God's articulation. The the Greek word is logos, but what it means is God's revelation or, or speech, right? And he's referring to God's articulation as, as Jesus himself. So when he talks about the word in John 1, he's talking about Jesus. And you can tell that because he'll talk about the word and then he'll use the, he'll use the personal uh, pronoun he, right? So just, you'll see it. I'll, I'll explain as we go. It says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, he gives us a little aside about John the Baptist. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you have a Bible in front of you and want to circle that word truth, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So check this out. He's talking about Jesus. And he says, in the beginning, God's speech or God's articulation, God's word in the form of Jesus existed and then came to the earth. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What that tells us is that Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. 
Jesus wasn't just a holy man. He wasn't just a rabbi who helped some people and gave some great speeches. What it tells us is that at the beginning of human history, Jesus was already there. It goes on to tell us that not only was Jesus there, but that Jesus was active in the creation of all things, right? So it's telling us Jesus wasn't just a holy man. He wasn't just a rabbi. Jesus is God. That's important for where we're going as we understand God and the truth of God. It says, Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And then it says this in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John's going to give us a couple reasons why we should pay attention to Jesus, why we should care about Jesus, why he wrote this story so that we would know Jesus and believe in Jesus. And the first reason he gives us is that in Jesus is light and life. The opposite of light and life, for what it's worth, is darkness and death. Apart from knowing Jesus, we are in darkness. The world is not illuminated. It's hard to understand why the world exists and how things are supposed to work if you don't know who the creator is, right? It's only in an understanding of the creator that we start to understand the creation. If you're trying to figure out how to use your laptop, you want to pay attention to the person who designed the laptop because they're going to know better than anybody how that thing's supposed to work. When it comes to our lives, when it comes to this planet, when it comes to our communities, when we want to understand how all this is supposed to work, the truth of it all, we got to pay attention to the one who is light and life. Not only does it tell us that he was light and life, look at this. It says in verse 5, light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We jump down to 9, the true light which gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Right? Here's the creator and he's walking among us. He comes to those he's created and people don't recognize him for who he is. They don't know who he is. They don't welcome him. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So not only do we pay attention to Jesus because he, he illuminates all things, he's light and life, the, the opposite of darkness and death, but also it tells us that for those who know who Jesus is and believe in him, there's the opportunity to become his daughters and his sons, to be his children. That part of this equation of understanding the truth of God is about understanding our own adoption, right? Our own inclusion as the children of God. He created us to be part of his family. And to those who know him and believe in him, we are invited to be his kids, part of his family. So that adoption is a piece of this as well. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 14, the word became flesh. So not only is Jesus God, but he's also man. He's God in a body, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. It says Jesus walked with us. John, the writer of this book, actually was one of Jesus' disciples. And he says, I walked with him and I talked with him. I shared sandwiches with him. And I can tell you, I've seen him and he's not like anybody I've ever met. In him was glory, right? The glory as of the only son of the father. And as I walked with him and talked with him, as I saw him both killed and rise from the dead, I can tell you that in him is the clearest manifestation of truth and grace. So why does John write his gospel? Because he wants us to have our lives illuminated. He wants us to find light and life. He wants us to recognize that we've been invited to be daughters and sons of the king of the universe, 
adopted into a royal family. He wants us to see the glory of God, which lifts our eyes above all of the mundane things in our regular lives. And he wants us to experience grace and truth. If we jump down to verse 16, it says, From his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then look at this in verse 18. And this is really where we'll camp for tonight. He says in 18, No one has ever seen God. Right? No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Why did John write this book that we're going to study this week? He wrote this book because Jesus is the clearest revelation or the clearest articulation of truth, the truth of who God is, that you and I will ever know. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says that in the past God spoke to us through various ways and, and things, but now he has spoken to us through his son. Here's something I want to blow your mind with for a second. I just want you to think about this. God, the creator of all things, the one who designed you from the ground up, the one who designed everything we know and everything we are, that God we will never fully comprehend or understand because he's that much greater than us. But that God wants you to know him. And I don't just mean that he wants humans to know him. I don't mean it in a broad sense like, oh, I want earthlings to know me. I mean he wants Darren to know him. He wants me to know something about who he is. He wants you to know something about who he is. Now, you're not going to know everything about who he is because he's that big. But God can reveal something of who he is, and the way he does that is in sending Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but Jesus has made God known, right? That's a big deal. Imagine, I told you already I'm a video game guy. I just, um, I just finished Elden Ring a couple of weeks ago. I'm working on... Uh, I, I did, uh, what else did I play? After Elden Ring, I played, I played Subnautica, the new one. That was pretty good. Uh, I'm working on a new thing now, Deathloop. I'm working on Deathloop. I don't know. I, I can't decide if I like that or not. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Imagine for a second. Imagine this with me. Imagine for a second that you, uh, how many of you have like a little cousin or a little, a little brother or sister? How many of you have like some little relative? Yeah? Little neighbor? Okay. Listen close. I want, to, I want you to picture something with me, okay? Shh. Imagine for a second that you go over to your little cousin's house, and your little cousin is sitting on, on the floor, and they're playing with their toys, whatever they like. They got Legos, they got a race car, they got a doll, they got whatever. And imagine that you found a PS5, right? You found a PS5 at Target, you bought it because you love your little cousin, you take the box with the PS5, like most technologically advanced console system, right? You decide to take that, you take it over to your little cousin, your little cousin's two years old, sitting on the floor playing with toys. Imagine that you reach out and you take the Legos away and you go, I got you something better than that, I got you, I got you a PlayStation 5. Like these are hard to find, this is a technological marvel, here you go, PlayStation 5. And you, and you slide that box with the PS5 in it in front of your little cousin, having just taken away their toys, right? What do you think is going to happen? Your little cousin's going to look at the box with the picture of the console on it and they might start to cry. They're for sure going to be confused, right? Because as a two-year-old, they're not going to understand why the thing in that box is a hundred million times better than their Legos, or a hundred million times better than their Hot Wheels, or a hundred million times better than their Barbie, or whatever, right? Then your job will be to try to explain to your little cousin why that's a good gift, and why that toy is better than the toy they already had. Can you imagine how difficult it would be to communicate to your little cousin why they should be excited about the PlayStation 5 instead of the Matchbox car? That's difficult to do. 
In the same way, God wants us to know him. He wants us to understand something of who he is. He knows we'll never be able to grasp the totality of who he is because he's that big and he's that holy, but he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants our lives to be illuminated. He wants us to have life and light. He wants us to be adopted. He wants us to know glory and grace and truth, the truth of who he is. And so in order to help us understand something that's impossible for us to fathom with our limited experience, our limited intellect, our limited understanding and knowledge, Jesus comes to the earth as a way for us to understand something comprehensible about an incomprehensible God. Does that make sense? Jesus is that revelation. I remember um, when my son Hank was little, we took Hank and his older brother Jack, we took him to the Grand Canyon. And we lived in Phoenix at the time. And so we had to drive about two and a half, three hours to get to the Grand Canyon. And uh, the whole way there, we just kept saying, they're like, what? This is taking a long time. Like, how long do we have to go? When are we going to be there? When are we going to get there? And I'm like, trust me, it's going to be awesome when we get there. So we get to the Grand Canyon, and uh, we get out of the car, and uh, we're standing on the rim, right? We're standing on the edge at one of those little, like, turnouts. And we're looking at the Grand Canyon. And I'm like, this is amazing. And my little son, Hank, he goes, where is it? And I was like, what do you mean? It's this. It's right there. He goes, I can't see it. And I was like, Hank, dude, it's everything. It's like literally everything you see from horizon to horizon. This is it. And he goes, where? And I was like, it's right there. He goes, I don't see a green cannon anywhere. Right? The whole drive from Phoenix to the Grand Canyon, he thought I was taking him to see, like, I don't know, like a Civil War armament or something. Like, he was looking for a green cannon. And because he misunderstood, check this, because he misunderstood what we were going to see, he expected and anticipated the wrong things and then was disappointed by the Grand Canyon, right? It is also possible that in your life, and look, right now, I don't know any of you. I already told you, I hope I meet all of you this week. I really do. I hope we get a chance to talk. But I don't know any of you, but I would guess there are some of you right now that, like the video said, when we start talking about God, when we start talking about truth, maybe you feel disappointed. Maybe you feel angry. Maybe you feel anxious. Maybe you feel frustrated, right? But what I want to suggest to you is that it's possible that you're looking at the wrong thing, right? Or maybe you've been looking at the right thing, but you've been looking for, for the wrong things in the right thing, right? It's possible that maybe you've been looking at the followers of God instead of God himself. And so it's important for us to understand that God wants us to know him. That's what we're going to be talking about this whole week. Jesus comes to reveal the truth of who God is in a way that we can understand and comprehend. He was there in the beginning. It was through him that all things were created. Jesus says and attests to the fact that God is true. And the Bible says that as well. So when we talk about truth this week, understand that God is true. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? One of the things we understand about God is that he's perfect, right? That he's perfect. And so everything he says, he does. God is perfectly true and Jesus is a manifestation of that, right? Not only that, it, it tells us that, Je that God speaks the truth. Isaiah 45, 19 says, I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. So one of the things I want you to understand that Jesus reveals to us about God that was also revealed in the Old Testament is that God tells the truth. He's a truth teller, right? 
But even more important than the fact that God speaks the truth is what Jesus says about God being the truth. It is true that God says true things, that he never lies. But more importantly, Jesus declares in John 14, 6, that he is the truth. In fact, sort of famously, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus doesn't just say that he speaks the truth. Jesus says that he is the truth. This is an important thing for us to understand as we work our way through the rest of this week. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of John. We're going to be looking at the life of Jesus. We're going to be looking at what the life of Jesus tells us both about who God is and what the life of Jesus tells us about who we are and how we should live. But it's fundamental on this first night for you to understand that when we say God is true, we don't just mean that he speaks true words, that he never goes back on what he has promised, but we actually mean that the heart of what we're talking about when we talk about truth is what God is. He doesn't just speak truth. He doesn't just do true things. God is truth as he has revealed himself in Christ. In fact, it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. So we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. This week, you guys, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about Jesus. I spend a lot of time, all the time, talking about Jesus. But that's because Jesus is the way we understand God. Jesus is the clearest articulation to understanding God who is truth, right? So in this world where I'm trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong, what I feel compared to what I know, and I'm trying to figure out what real truth is, I have to look at Jesus because no one has ever seen God, but Jesus has made him known. There's one last thing I want to say to you before I go tonight, and it's this. There is something amazing and wonderful about uncovering the truth of who God is about uncovering that God is true, right? But I also want to warn you as we begin this week together that when the truth is revealed and when the truth becomes clear, as a necessary byproduct of the revelation of truth, there is also the uncovering of what is untrue, and that can be uncomfortable. I just want to warn you about that in advance. As we start to look at the truth of who God is and the truth of who we are, some of that might make us uncomfortable. Sometimes hearing the truth about us is uncomfortable. I was, uh, I was riding in the car with my, my son Jack when he was little. He was like in a car seat still. And we were listening to music. I told you already I listen to lots of indie music and whatever. Some of the music I listen to is really loud and kind of noisy. And my wife on this particular day, she goes, she goes, hey, would you turn this music down? It's awful. And I was like, this music's not awful. You're just an old lady, you know. And so I, I turned up the music a little bit more. And uh, we, we get to... Uh, we get to the bank, we get to the bank, my wife gets out, she goes up to the ATM, and while she gets out, I hear this little voice over my shoulder, he goes, Daddy, and uh, so I, I turn down the music, and I, you know, move the rearview mirror so I could look at him in the rearview mirror, and he goes, Daddy, that wasn't very nice, and I was like, uh, yeah, I was, just, I was just kidding around, you know, and he's like, but Daddy, Mommy asked you to turn off the music, and instead you said something mean to her, and you made the music louder, and I was like... Yeah, I know, but I was just being goofy. Like, I'm just being fun. That's what mommies and daddies do. We like to tease each other, like to make a joke, you know. You can't understand my sense of humor, whatever. And, uh, and uh, he goes, Daddy, you always say that it's not nice to tease the people that we love. And so I turned around and I punched him in the face. No, I didn't. I didn't. But, but I will say, uh, I didn't do that. 
but there was a part of me, and maybe this will feel familiar to you, there was a part of me that wanted to, right? There was a part of me that wanted to shut him up. Listen close. Not, I never hit my kid. I never hit my kid, but listen. There's a part of us that is uncomfortable in the revelation of truth. What my two-year-old son was saying to me was true, and it made me feel bad, right? I, I changed the music. My wife gets back in the car. I'm like, I'm sorry. She goes, are you okay? Right, so... Uh, Anyway, the next day was Thanksgiving, and we're sitting around the Thanksgiving table at my in-law's house, and uh, we're passing the plates around to serve up the food, you know, and uh, it gets around to where my mother-in-law is. My wife's sitting next to me here, my little boy is sitting in a high chair next to me. It gets around to my mother-in-law, and I, I got to tell you, my mother-in-law makes this, um, she makes this broccoli casserole. She calls it her famous broccoli casserole, but you guys, this broccoli casserole is an abomination, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it is... It's rancid. It smells gross. I, I don't know if you actually like cook it with a dirty sock or whatever, but that's what it smells like. And so my plate comes around to my mother-in-law, and she goes, Darren, would you like some of my famous broccoli casserole? And I'm like, no, it smells like you cooked it in a dead body. And uh, just like this, my little boy goes, Dad, remember what we talked about in the car? It's like everybody turns and looks at me, and I'm like, uh... Yeah, it's no big deal. Yesterday, Jack taught me I need to be nicer. Mm, that just felt stupid, right? None of us like that feeling of being confronted with the truth and realizing that what it means is that we've been wrong. I want you, Hume SoCal 2022, to be prepared. Because for me, the more I look at Jesus and the more I see the truth of who God is, the more I realize the places where I get it wrong, the more places I realize where, where, where I'm busted and broken. You're going to feel that. But here's what I want you to see last, right? The last thing, and here's where I was headed with all that, is this. I want you to note that it does tell us in John chapter 1, 1 through 18, that in Jesus we see the truth revealed. The truth of God is revealed. But it doesn't just say the truth is revealed. It says that in Jesus we see both the fullness of truth and grace. Grace. I want you to hold both of those things together at the same time. I want you to recognize that while truth is revealed in who God is and in what he's revealed in, in his, son, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that while that is true and that truth can be painful, the grace of God, grace, by the way, which means undeserved, unearned kindness and love, right? The grace of God comes packaged with the truth of God. There is never a moment where confronted with the truth of who God is when I realize my own wrongness that I become any less illuminated, any less full of the life uh, uh, that I find in Christ, any less his son. You will never be any less his daughter, right? Because his truth comes with his grace. We are never shamed. We are never forsaken. We are never abandoned. Because God, while he absolutely reveals the truth, he reveals it in a package with his grace. I want you guys this week to hold on to both of those as we look at what it means for the truth to be told in Christ together. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for this week. Thanks to these students. Thanks to their leaders. Thank you for Hume SoCal and the week we're going to get to have away from the pressures of life, just having a good time at Hume. God, I pray that you would speak to us, that we would see not only that you speak truth and that you do truth, but God, we would see that you are truth, that you are the light by which the entire rest of our world is illuminated. I pray that you would help us to get our arms around the idea that you call us your daughters and your sons. That you would help us to look at the fact that you not only reveal the truth, but you offer us your grace. And that while we will never fully comprehend you, God, in totality, 
that because you love us and you want us to know you, Jesus came to the earth to give us a sense that we can understand of who you are. Help us to see Jesus clearly and help our lives to be transformed the more clearly we see you. We pray that in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks, y'all. See you later.